0: Benjamin Light. And this is Marcus Sparks. And welcome to a special episode of Pro's Watch PLL2. We have another interview today, a very special guest, Troyan Belsario.
1: Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. You got the patent and Troyan crack voice, so you know I'm really here. <laughs> 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 Hi.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Troyan. Um, yeah, we, we met you briefly on the set, and uh, you said you want to be on the podcast, so here we are.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I fangirled a bit when you guys were there. So I, I'm fortunate that you guys asked me back and we're just like, oh my God, that freak. We'll never talk to her again. Just watch her on the TV where there's a glass barrier.
2: I feel like I said the dorkiest thing possible to you when we met you because you, exactly. you came up and you said like, oh, hey, I listen to your podcast. And I'm like searching for a response. And I said, I watch your show.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think I was like, yeah? <laughs>
2: you're, like, you're like, yeah, no shit. It's
1: <laughs> like, well, I hope so. Otherwise, you guys are making up some really weird clairvoyant stuff It's <laughs> just right on point.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's dive right in. Marco, do you want to go first or You want me to do it?
2: Uh, why don't you take it?
0: All right. Well, we got lots of questions here. I don't know if we'll get to them all, but one of the ones it seems like would be good to ask. I know you've talked in interviews in the past about how you share some qualities with Spencer. Uh, you were the valedictorian of your high school, Spencer's very smart. Uh, has Spencer ever done anything or does she have any character traits that you just like really don't identify with or see as like really separate from you?
1: Yes. Generally. Well, generally when she goes down the like red herring path, Mm -hmm. I've been having a lot of problems with that recently because we've done it so many times. (laughs) And I'm just like, if Spencer hasn't learned now, like I'm starting to disrespect her. So, (laughs) but I also understand that like, it's a very confusing world and we can't quite reveal all these things yet. So, that's where it like always flips for me when like Spencer and Mona get into a room and can talk about literally anything Mm -hmm. with expertise and then like somebody that they've never even met and who shouldn't even be in Rosewood like walks by and they're like, it's a, and you're like, Oh, well, (laughs) poor little girls. Um, so that's, that's probably the only time that I'm having a little bit of difficulty with it. And then also I don't want to say anything about this, this season because it hasn't mm-hmm. aired yet,
3: right,
1: but um, but yeah, sometimes it's it's a very interesting thing when you feel when you want your character to be in a different place, and they they're not quite there yet, how you have to kind of dig your heels in and kind of like hunker down and like figure out a new reason like why it's this person dispenser, you know if she believes that or why she can't quite emotionally make that choice yet, so. I think sometimes that does come up, although I still generally pretty feel very similar to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sometimes the show, it almost feels kind of a, uh, what's the word, like sissy to And like, it's like they're doomed to comp- keep making the same mistakes over and over again.
3: The
1: push Absolutely.
0: The you know, keep rolling that rock up the hill.
1: Absolutely. And I think that there was a really wonderful thing that Joe said in the podcast with you, which was, you know. I, I think what do you say? Like they don't call the police because it would be boring mm-hmm. or something, you know, something like that. And so it's true. You know, it's, if, if there wasn't this drama in this, cause I always say in the interviews, they're like, what would you tell Spencer? And I'm like, leave, leave, like <laughs> effing leave Rosewood, go away, start a new life, love your friends, God bless them. But like, Godspeed, I'm on my way. <laughs> um, But then there wouldn't be a show and then you wouldn't get yeah. to see these girls deal with it. And I think that's become very interesting to watch in the evolution of the show because honestly in the beginning i really do think we all thought we were making a team soap Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. fortunately we thought we were making a team soap that was like a little bit outside the box and that's why we all kind of responded you know my first scene with uh my audition scene was um was the scene with ren in the pilot when well one of the audition scenes when uh i come outside and we we talk about um to kill a mockingbird. Oh, no, I'm reading To Kill a Mockingbird. We talk mm-hmm. about how I feel like I'm the black sheep of the family.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And no, no, no. Actually, I'm sorry. No, I'm, misre- I'm not remembering this correctly. My audition scene was actually a scene after that. We had the scene where we were going to dinner that was in the pilot. Then there was a scene with my family at dinner where I got kind of like skewered at the dinner table, mm-hmm. which I think was then pushed to like the second episode. And then we were supposed to, I was supposed to run outside and, um, and have kind of a bit of a mental breakdown, and Ren was out there, and we shared a cigarette, yeah. and of course that scene got completely cut mm-hmm. out. But when I when I read it, I was like, wow, there's something else really going on in the show, and it gave me something to search for in Spencer too. That she wasn't just a, this perfect girl; she was actually kind of the black sheep mm-hmm. of the family, and she didn't quite know what to do. Um, so, anyways, we thought we were making a teen soap. Long story short, and then over the, pa- the next seasons, things became more and more bizarre, and kind of wonderful in that way. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And so now, it's, I I think everybody's kind of the writers first, but everybody else now is kind of waking up into this new reality. That's sometimes absolutely psychotic. (laughs)
4: Um,
1: So, so I I think it, you know, it takes a while to come to terms with that.
3: Right?
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny how little of a teen show it really is. I mean, other than like some of the relationship stuff. Like the all the like kind of pop culture references are like you know from 50 years ago. Uh, oh yeah. You know it's like it doesn't really pander that much to teen audiences at all, other than you know like the you know Ezria boby type stuff. Well, yeah,
1: which for us sometimes is like pretty much the least interesting of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's it's. I mean, I hate to say it. I we like we love all of our fans, but like for the <laughs> most part, whenever like I sit next to Lucy. Um and Ian in the table reads and I think they were doing some Esri scene and I I I just couldn't help myself. I was kind of like watching them out of the corner of my eye and then they finished and I was like gag and like we're all kind of <laughs> feel that way because we're all we're all just so you know steeped in like the rest of the storytelling you know that it's like these relationships have changed so much and that's yeah <laughs> I'm not going to be very popular for saying that everybody's going to hate me now fortunately I have um I have Sparia to hide behind. Whenever I make fun of Ezria, I'm like, yeah, but I'm Sparia, so right. Mm, right. fine.
2: <laughs> well, I'm, can I just suggest that Sparia should be the next t-shirt?
1: Sparia should be the next t-shirt. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah there you go. Um, but yeah, I, was, I would always love if like Spencer's like, shit, guys, do you sense that? It's deja vu. It's, it's creeping in on us again.
1: I can't tell you how many times that happens. It's just like, haven't we been here before? <laughs>
2: um so speaking of that uh one of the things that's always like we're always so interested in is like the production of the show how far in advance of filming a particular episode do you get the script and like what is what are table reads like like what is that process like for an actor
1: so um so it's very funny because it depends on who you get the script from we're not supposed to get the scripts because generally what happens is the writers you know they do an outline actually you guys have heard all this if you, and so have you if you listen to the podcast so you guys know the writer's perspective but they usually don't want to tell us anything because if the network decides they want to change it or something like that what they don't like to have is have the actors really love a storyline and then they can't give it to them mm-hmm. so then the actors and the writers feel dissatisfied and it kind of creates this rift so what happens is we get the script officially the night before the table read and the table read is the day before we start shooting. Mm -hmm. So you get in and usually you're on set. So, you know, you're working in this episode and you're in a scene. So it's kind of difficult to sit down and read the next episode. And then you're reading it out loud the next day. And then you're shooting it the next day Mm -hmm. after that. So, um, it's very fast. Now I hate that (laughs) personally. So I make it my mission to go around and, um, the crew with compliments and <laughs> desserts so that the key of the, the, the heads of the departments the, who get the scripts first mm. before any of us are allowed to get the scripts. But I read the scripts as early as I possibly can, just so I get a sense of like, why the heck was I saying that in this line? You know, if I was planning on doing this, like the next episode. But it's very funny because, it, you know, they, they, they don't want us to know. I've I've never liked that part. You know, I always get into mm. a fight with with Oliver because I always know things, and I come up to him and I talk to him about it, and then Oliver's like, "How do you know this?" And I'm like, "Because I'm smart, like Spencer. Like <laughs> I w- I want to know this, and I want to talk to you about it and figure it out." So it's, it's so it's it's a little bit of a, of a of a bizarre process, and the table reads are very interesting because for the most part, most people in the table reads are reading the lines for the very first time so you are you know it, the, the omg moments really are actually omg moments for like the characters that are living them as well where you know it's like mona's like oh my god i'm not dead you know mm-hmm. stuff like that but uh so they're more for the network and the writers to hear our voices you know say it it do- it doesn't really because then it will get changed you'll you'll also hear when something falls flat in the table read when something is not explained enough you know that that's usually what they use it for is like if the people listening in the table read are like wait who was this person from eight seasons ago uh mm-hmm. then you know spencer's gonna have an expository line being like that person we met by the lake out eight years ago <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's generally where that comes in
0: so when you guys are doing the table reader you kind of like full throttle into the performance there to try to sell everything to make sure that they can hear it
1: it's uh, the Tables, actor reads, wow, I can't even talk right now. Tables with actors. Um, (laughs) Table reads for actors are very, very interesting because if you go full out, especially on our show, it just sounds weird. Mm -hmm. It sounds really weird because you're sitting in an office and everybody's not in danger. And so if you're really just screaming at the top of your lungs and crying, it's it's very awkward for everybody. So there's actually a lot of underplaying, but you can't underplay it too much because otherwise the words don't make sense you know when you're mm-hmm. trying to describe uh, an emotion to somebody and you're trying to describe a storyline if you're you know reading everything the same monotone all the same time you stop losing the meanings of the words
3: mm-hmm.
1: so it's this weird dance that everybody kind of does and it's also like you know keep this quiet but it's also kind of the moment when you're as an actor like i don't want to say this line that you like kind of like subvertedly like hmm. mess it up a little bit or you like like <laughs> slide in like a comment on it you know um it, that doesn't always work but sometimes that
3: mm-hmm. works.
0: <laughs> interesting yeah, yeah you know i i know a, a fair amount about production in general but acting has always been like kind of just a black box to me um I never i don't know how actors do what they do like could you talk a little bit about like other than just memorizing your line like how do you, yeah. what is your process for, for coming up with your performance?
1: You know, it, it's very different depending on what I'm doing. So, but almost you speak about just pretty little liars. It's in television because you're doing it so fast and because you've just got it. And because sometimes you don't understand why you're doing it because they haven't written why you're doing it. That's next episode. It's really about picking apart and making choices in your performance that makes sense to you and that ground you. And, you know. I can get attached to a character or a storyline if I'm working on it for like a film for a month. And then when I'm actually acting the scene, if I am required to be very emotional, it kind of comes more naturally. If I met somebody who's playing a cousin that I never had, um, you know, it's Spencer's cousin. And all of mm-hmm. a sudden this person has been killed by A, like it's real hard to cry over their body because you just met them like last week. And you're like, just found out that they died that day. So it's it's a little bit more, I'll be honest, of a grab bag um, being an actor on the show and everybody has a different process. You know, I, I know people who can just turn it on like a trick and then they just turn it off and then they're laughing the next second. I generally have to do a lot of, uh, personal substitution for people and places and things in my life, memories, you know, and I do a lot of the, as if, um, that also really, helps because sometimes you're in the most ridiculous circumstances and you're with three girls that you've basically grown up with so everybody's laughing and you know there's somebody who's just laying at your feet playing a dead body Mm -hmm. and so you're cracking jokes up until the camera rolls and then you're like oh my god how am I gonna stop laughing and then you're like oh wow like what would I really do if this person was actually dead in front of me and all of a sudden everything gets really quiet and I know it seems like the Dumbest thing. It's like, yeah, well, you're an actor. You're supposed to do that. But you really do lose sight of that because when you live on a TV set and you eat and you breathe and you joke with the crew, you know, the person who's like literally under your feet, sticking a microphone up your skirt <laughs> so he can catch your breathing, it's hard to stay in the moment. So you have to kind of like revisit other moments in your own life or, you know, just the overwhelming, like, what would I be doing in this moment? if somebody just dropped dead in front of me, what would that really look like? If I were really to allow myself to pretend that nobody else here existed, mm-hmm. what would that really look like? And sometimes that's embarrassing and you have to get really, oh, you have to get over that very quickly.
2: Right. So you were talking about how you can't worry too much about your motivation for some actions because they're not going to happen to next week anyway. Yeah. How do you process that for like, like one of our favorite storylines on the show is the latter half of uh season three, which mm-hmm. we affectionately call the Dark Spencer saga. <laughs> yes. How much did you know about that going into that storyline and and how did you manage like Spencer's wonderful journey? <laughs> um, <laughs> through-
1: Spencer's wonderful journey. <laughs> um that was actually a very special journey to me. And I would say that and season four, you know, what I got to do with her her speed addiction, which was actually hilariously like That was an amazing thing that was totally made up. It wasn't in the books. Hmm. You know, we fit that in way later because Spencer in the evening, she wasn't supposed to be like not able to fall asleep after being drugged with the girls because she was on speed. Like that was something we made up way, way later, years later. So I was never playing that until in year four. They were like, oh, and by the way, you've always been addicted to pills. And I was like, cool, let's do this. (laughs) But you know what I mean? So it's like that's where you like all of a sudden you get thrown this like and you've had a bionic arm the whole time. Just like, let's do this. (laughs) Like this makes Um, a lot of sense. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But but actually season three was very special because in the second season, when uh well, at the end of the second season, when Mona went to Radley, I again, I was living in we're creating a TV show that's it based in reality. And I started to hear us speak about a mental illness in a way that I really didn't like. Mm-hmm. I started to hear a lot of references to the nut house, you know, the crazies, the loons. And, uh, and that's something that's very personal to me. So I, I, one day I went into the writer's room and I said, you know, you guys, um, I, I have experience with mental illness and I really just want to say that this doesn't sit with me well. And, to be honest, if you're going to talk about Mona cracking up the kind of pressure that you've been putting under these girls, they should all be having their own mental breakdowns. And we should be actually really, truly exploring that if we're going to ground the show in reality. Little did I know like <laughs> how little we we're trying to ground this show in reality, but I thought I was like being very important. Mm. And um, it was kind of great because everybody in the writers room kind of stopped and had this new uh, idea, which was, oh yeah, the girls would be absolutely nuts. And what would that look like? And, and, you know, and, and also I had this idea over, I was like, you know, I know we're like the good girls that have just done bad things, but like, don't, isn't there a little bit of bad in all of us? Like, why are we always on the good side? And so the conversation then became how to make Spencer fully cracks. And she's always the tight, most tightly wound And as I think it was Aria who says, you know, they were wrong. Emily wasn't the weakest link. Uh, Hannah says it. Emily Mm -hmm. wasn't the weakest link. It was Spencer. Mm -hmm. And it's true because you think Spencer was incredibly strong, but she's actually the most fragile in a, in a number of ways. So they, so they did that with through the storyline of Toby. And then they actually kind of took. Me dark now. I was a little bit upset because I was supposed to be dark for like a long time, hmm. and that yeah. was something that actually the network got freaked out about. I was supposed to, they were supposed to end the season with me being a oh, okay uh, finding out Toby was a, and then me being a, and you thinking that I was really working to take down the girls, and that became like something that the, the, everybody was just like so freaked out about because they were like we don't want people to hate Spencer and I'm like I don't know if they'll hate Spencer you know like let's try <laughs> it uh, but but that was why I think that there was a very quick turnaround of Hannah trapping me and me saying very quickly like I'm a double agent
0: mm-hmm. I can say that part of like second half of season three I binge watched up to that part and that was when I first started watching week to week and it mm-hmm. seemed like it was going on longer than any tv show would ever let it go on
1: yeah well that's funny because probably it was because to us, we were shooting it back to back. So for me, mm-hmm. I was like, you guys, I got to be a villain for like two seconds. But probably it <laughs> felt a lot longer than that.
0: Yeah, it really felt like every time it was like, oh, that was okay. Spencer was sad for an episode and now she's going to pull out like, nope, even deeper, like over and over again. And
1: mm-hmm. that's what I loved about it. That's, that's when I was really like so, I, I fell so deeply in love with our writer's room because I kept on expecting them to try to put Spencer back together very quickly. And I love that they were just... Letting it go deeper and deeper, and seeing that she could fall through, you know, different levels of <laughs> hell, and that was the best thing for me to play as a as an actor. I I loved every bit of that because you know you got to go from completely dissociative, like I'm not even sure if Spencer knows who she is anymore, or to Spencer, or cares. Yeah. To Spencer's very aware of who she is, and she does not want to be that person. To Spencer now has to be that person, but there's something very broken inside of her, and that was just. That was like, I mean, I feel really ridiculous saying this, but it's like it was like ooey gooey, like maple syrup, just like every (laughs) kind of candy you'd ever want to eat as an actor. It was just so much fun.
2: Well, I think we loved at the end of season four A when she confronts Toby, like especially all the issues from the end of season three. Like you can't disappear on me. Do you remember what happened the last time you did that? Yeah. Remember how cool I was eventually about it? Like, keep doing this to me. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was. Um, it was just an absolute blast and i'm so grateful that they let me do it and i'm so grateful that they let me continue to kind of mine that side of spencer because i think that there's there's always something that's off about her and I, I, I don't know if they saw that in me because maybe there's something off in me or but you know they let me run with it in so many different ways and they're always so you know lenient to kind of just let spencer be who she is and not try to make her perfect again
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny that you mentioned wanting the girls to not be all good i I guess i've always kind of read the show as being that the liars are the protagonists of the show not necessarily the heroes of the show they all have even from the very first episode they all have parts of them that are very flawed you know and the show kind of allows them to exist you know hannah Arya, emily and spencer they've all done things that are kind of messed up
1: oh yes absolutely and you know it's I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess Emily, more so. But, you know, I was thinking like when we started the show. I guess that's what was what was like a draw to all of mm-hmm. us for these characters. You know, Hannah was the it girl, but she was a kleptomaniac with a hidden eating disorder. You know, Spencer was the smart girl, but she was a I mean practically a nymphomaniac. Like I think <laughs> and now I can just come out and say it. You know, <laughs> like if this show was on HBO, Spencer would be a full blown nymphomaniac. We can say that now with an addiction to sex mm-hmm. and all other things. You know. Th- I don't know if you'd say Aria was like a, re- a reverse pedophile. What's the term for that? <laughs> um, yeah. She has I mean, she, serious daddy issues. Mm-hmm, daddy Yeah. Issues, yeah, yeah, say that.
0: yeah. But the worst thing Emily does is she like, she smokes pot or something, you know, she's a pretty, yeah. pretty good girl. Yeah. Again, on,
1: yeah. Again, on the, on the HBO version of this, I think Emily would be the, this, the stoner lesbian mm. who's, just, you know, just a wild child. It'd be great. Well, I think uh, it's
2: like we, we cheered when like, she threatened to uh, like strangle Sydney on the street. Like oh, she finally yeah. had enough.
1: Well, that's why I also love like my favorite versions of the girls. And this is when you see so deeply into who they are, are um, what we call the you know, like drunk Spencer, drunk Hannah, mm-hmm. drunk Emily. And and that's why I say you see who they are because drunk Spencer is very, very sexually driven. Mm. She just, because it's like, it's her like social lubrication, sexual lubrication that just gets her into bad situations Mm. and she does not care. And Emily is an angry drunk. She (laughs) fights. She, every time she's, I think she's gotten drunk like twice or something, but she always wants to knock somebody out. And I, I I don't know. I love that we actually get to explore those types of girls.
2: Yeah. I'm thinking like now that like drunk Spencer scenes and I'm, I'm especially thinking of like her scenes of Ren where she knows where her power is. She knows the effect she has on this posh little (laughs) slimy guy.
1: Yeah. It's, and she goes for it too. I you know, that's what's, that's what I think is so funny about, about Spencer's. She, for somebody who seems so controlled and put together, she also can't resist following her darkest impulses at mm-hmm. all different turns. You know, it's, I always say like the guys kiss Spencer first, but she doesn't exactly pull away. She always pulls away like a second too late. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She's always trying it. And, um, so yeah, I I think I th- it's exactly the way you said, like these girls are the protagonists for the story, but they are definitely not the heroes.
2: There's a lot of tools in Spencer's toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so How early do you need to be on set or on the lot before shooting begins, like to begin your day of wardrobe, makeup, etc.?
1: So we begin, we, uh, depending on our shooting call, we'll always get there. It used to be an hour and a half before call time, but now it's an hour because they just, our makeup is pretty easy. So we get there about an hour before and then get in hair and makeup and then go over to the set and do a first rehearsal and then while they're setting up lights we go up and we change into our wardrobe and come back down mm. and then need, you know, hair and makeup touch ups because it it's like you move like a hair out of place and everybody's like we need touch ups we need touch ups. <laughs> yeah. So generally we're there about an hour uh, or a little bit more. If it's like a formal episode like where we're doing the special hair and makeup that'll be about an hour and a half beforehand, but that's it. Mm.
0: Yeah, we saw from your Instagram that one of your friends, uh, Lulu, was on the show recently playing a yeah. character named Sabrina. What's okay. it like? Is that is that like a lot of fun or do you have to be all business?
1: No, it's so much fun. The great thing about having Lulu on is that Lulu, I mean Lulu and I have been friends since we were 16, so she's been with me throughout all of Pretty Little Liars and she has, you know, members of the cast are friends with her um through me and crew. So when Lulu came on, it was so wonderful to me because it was actually just kind of like a homecoming. Everybody was so excited to have her there. And for me to get to do scenes with my best friend was mm-hmm. just like, it was unreal. It was so much fun. <laughs> Probably too much fun, but you'll see it in the scenes.
2: <laughs> so speaking of which, so we were on the set a few months ago. We mm-hmm. got to watch you guys do a scene together, which you know, we won't go into details, but it was fascinating watching you waiting in the wings for Spencer's <laughs> entrance because you started doing jumping jacks.
3: Yeah. And we're just and like,
2: we're just like, what is happening? And so, like, later, like, norman Buckley told us that you had asked him how many flights of stairs Spencer had hurriedly run up to join her right. in that scene, and that you were getting yourself into that place. So we were just curious, like, how much of when you talk about preparing your performance, like, how much of it is the physical aspect? Do you do that a lot for when Spencer has to rush in to a moment?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's our show is incredibly tense, and it's, It's really hard to maintain that level of tension, Mm -hmm. especially after you've been shooting for like 14 hours. You're the umpteenth episode in the season. You haven't slept in like months. You know what I mean? Or like, and also you're like hungry because you had lunch six hours ago and now it's like four in the morning. And it was, you know, and so, and they're like, okay, your life is at stake. Go! And you're just like, I, guys, I can't, you know, <laughs> like, it's hard. Like, I, I know I say that and it's so funny because I feel like people would be like, what do you mean? You don't care. But it's like, when you've done it like 15 times, it's really hard to keep that energy up. Mm. And it has to be because our show is so high energy. Mm. So to be honest, that comes from just a place of like, as an actor, it's so much easier when you can get yourself, to play a scene, where you can get yourself into the physical state. You know what I mean? And then, when I'm saying my lines, I don't have to think about not only acting about the discovery that I just made or the, the plan that I'm about to impart to the girls, but on top of it, I also have to think like, oh, and breathe heavy.
3: Right.
1: You know what I mean? It's, it's so much easier if you just actually like tire yourself so that while you're talking, all you're thinking about is, okay, how do I communicate this? But your breath is like already there. And that helps a lot. You know, it's, I wouldn't say I'm a fully method actor, but I I definitely try to be as much as I can, because I think it, it just helps ground you in that reality. And so any sort of running, jumping, if I've been drinking, spinning or dancing, mm. that all helps, you know, and it's the same thing with getting into a, a funny scene or like a lighthearted scene. Sometimes you just gotta crack up and try to make a bunch of jokes. <laughs> so yeah. the uh, same thing with an emotional scene. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not really a person who can just like make myself cry on a dime. I mean, I, I can, it it just always makes me feel so awkward. Mm. Uh, so what I really like to do is, you know, if I have a very emotional scene, I kind of pick a quiet corner and curl up there and everybody on set is really respectful of my process. So they all know where I am and they kind of let me be. And, and so I'll just kind of go there and, and plug in my iPhone or, you know, to, to some music that I need. And it helps keep me in that space. Mm.
0: Talking of uh kind of physical scenes you have a scene with mona at the uh academic on, <laughs> like where they're meeting at some lodge or something where you kind of do this flying kick and like come over a table and attack her uh yeah. what was that like the film
1: amazing <laughs> it was like the best uh, i i love working with janelle she and i have so much fun together and she's such an awesome actor and so and th- there's just such a great relationship between mona and spencer like i really could just watch like an episode that was just Mm -hmm. mona and spencer like locked in a room together just like plotting things (laughs) so so to do that scene really was just great because i got to have the permission to be the aggressor that's the other thing about the show that gets frustrating is that like the girls so often are victims of their circumstances and you know what i mean it's like you you have so many scenes where you're like it's like the gasp scene, right? Mm-hmm. Where you, like open a door. It's like, <gasps> and, and so like you do that or you're like, or you're like terrified in a box and you're like, or you're like, cre- you know, creeped out and trapped somewhere. And somebody's about to like come in and kill you. And you do those scenes so many times. And it, it's just this pent up energy of just being like aggressed against. And so I think when I got to jump over the table and attack Mona, I was just like, I was so ready. It was like, uh, you know, <laughs> Whatever season that went, it was just, like, however many episodes of, like, pent-up Spencer just, like, rage waiting to get out.
2: So, speaking of which, do you think the show will ever give us, like, an Ariel's duel between you, <laughs> you and Mona?
1: Actually, hilariously, I was supposed to do... They wanted to write, like, an Ariel's thing <laughs> for me in this one sequence. And then they were just, like... It, it, "It's our, t- our schedule is so fast that they were, like, to do it in the sequence that they wanted it to would take too much time. But I... I feel like they're going to do something with it. I'm like kind of terrified.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any particular like favorite episodes or favorite sequences from the show?
1: Definitely. Definitely the whole Dark Spencer saga. Um, (laughs) That whole like, will the circle be unbroken into, you know, her being a and kind of coming back through shadow play really was one of the most fun episodes I've ever filmed of television. It was it was too much fun. We 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 kept on looking at each other, being like, this this isn't gonna happen again, right? Because they're never gonna let us do this again. It's too much fun. Um, I did that one, and then, oh gosh, why do I want to say that recently? There was another one that I was just really. There, there's one that Janelle wrote this this season that I think is just really right on point with who Spencer mm-hmm. is, and kind of takes you back to that like. Dark Spencer saga and, uh, you know, the, what was so great about season four. So I'm excited for people to experience that.
2: Mm, excellent. excellent. Uh, so <laughs> what kind of amazing things do you think can be found in Spencer's Google search history?
1: Oh my God. Um, I know I, you know, as much as I could think about this, I couldn't actually come close to what would be in her Google search in, uh, search history. <laughs> I think it would be a lot of forensics. Mm. I think it would be a lot of I think it would be like weird stuff to like, I don't know how to like psychoanalyze your boyfriend without him realizing you're <laughs> <him> doing it. <laughs> you know, Like, I think Spencer just wants to be ahead of everybody. I think Spencer's whole life is just like a chess game. So, um, you know, and then I think I'm sure there's just like, really, really, like lovely, sweet stuff. You know, like when when um, Emily first came out, I'm sure it was just like, Top 10 ways you could be more supportive to your, you know, Mm -hmm. friend who's just come out, you know, because I I think Spencer, like as much as she says, claims it to be a no at all. She really is kind of lost with a lot of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think she turns to the internet for a lot of different things.
2: Her Pinterest board would be insane in a good way.
1: Oh, yeah. Her Pinterest. I don't even know what would be there. It would just be. I'm sure she's just, like, secretly designing all of Arya's outfits for her. <laughs> like, bringing it to her.
0: Speaking of Arya, would you ever consider putting a paper bag with a crudely drawn face on it over your head? And then, like, taking a selfie with a significant other? Or is that, like, the creepiest thing ever?
1: I mean... I feel like that could be set. Like that could be like an insert here for like so many things in the Ezria storyline. <laughs> like, would you do this or would it be the creepiest thing you've ever seen? Like feeding <laughs> each other food right. or, you know, like it, it, it's it, like, it goes so deep with them. I, I don't even understand their relationship, but no, I would never put a bag over my head <laughs> to take a picture because then you'd have a picture of you with a bag over your head terrible (laughs) i can remember binge watching
0: that just thinking like what what the hell is going on right
1: now i'm like i feel so sometimes i just feel so because i feel like lucy and ian are just like here we go guys let's do this and they always sell it like it's always great you know they they make it happen but that poor relationship what the, the trials that they've been through
2: the power play in ezra's apartment in 5a is fascinating over the course of that half season just it seems like the way they both are dealing with their issues, maybe manipulating each other. Also both completely clueless about life.
1: Oh my God. They're so, they're so helpless. Um, I I, I don't mean to be hard on them, but I think that that's like the the most interesting thing to me about the Ezria line is that like, I've never seen it as, um, of course it's been romantic, but I've never seen it as like good romance. Mm. I've always seen it as like kind of a harrowing tale of like, sexual codependency and um, and I think it's like really bizarre that like we have it on like a essentially like a teen show, you know what <laughs> I mean it's but, but I, I I don't know i I think it's an accurate presentation of like what a lot of relationships can be like, but but it's also um it is it's not entirely pure. Its intentions are not entirely pure all the time. so that's kind of fascinating. and yes, the power play between them is always so crazy.
2: Well, you know, PLL has always been good, and I would say it's got brilliant far before this. But, I mean, if you ever doubt it, it's when they slip in Season 5 in the 100th episode, and I'll be watching you as playing.
1: Oh, yeah. It's so... It's, it's just, uh, yeah, there are so many things like that, but it's just like, okay, we get it. Uh,
2: so yeah, back in the beginning of the show, though, it seemed like Spencer might've shipped Ezria herself, but do you think like, as the show's progressed, that's changed?
1: <laughs> yeah, actually I do. I think, um, I don't think that it was that I, I, I was so enamored with their late relationship, but I think that like, as I do truly think that Spencer has kind of a, um, a, a wild side and sort of like a. she she can't help but follow her. Uh, Whatever. I'm just going to keep on saying an infomaniac side. Like, you know what I mean? It's like the tame version, but I think she is so secretly impressed with her friend for like, wow. I almost, I was, I mean, I don't mean it in the way that I said, I was going to say for nailing a teacher, but I mean that literally, but I meant like for like getting him, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I think she's just like, wow. I wish that I had could have done that. Like, I think she's secretly jealous Mm -hmm. of, of that relationship and the, the drama that it brings. I think she's just so enamored with the mystery that is Aria and how long she's been keeping this a secret and like how cool it is. And then, and then he becomes like her boyfriend. And then like Spencer has to deal with like her old English teacher, like actually hanging out with them a bunch. And I think like, that's when Spencer started to be like, nah, all right. I don't know. You know, I I think she, the biggest thing is she 100% wants Aria to be happy And I think that's where Spencer kind of gets the most confused is that I think she feels a certain way about Ezra and what Ezra's done in the past. And I think she sees that her friend is still very much in love and she doesn't quite know how to ride that line of support and help.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, we've only ever seen like one adult friend of Ezra's, uh, Hardy. Um, (laughs) I feel like, like, I don't know, what's your opinion? I feel like Hardy doesn't hang out with Ezra anymore. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i think hardy made the good decision not to hang out with ezra anymore because he was like dude what the hell are you doing this is not okay <laughs> however we always have made the joke that we need to have like hardy's very special halloween episode where like hardy comes back into town and is like whatever man we should like you know we should make up for this and mm-hmm. you should come to my halloween party and like everybody in the town just goes to hardy's house for the halloween party and then uh and then spend, and of course, there's like the obligatory like the moment that I just mm-hmm. like walk into the room and he's there and I'm just like, oh hey, what's up? Um, that would be fun, but uh, <laughs> but I think yeah, then you get to really see Spencer's tendencies come out. I I yeah, I definitely think Ezra doesn't have any. Friends. This is like it, it's all this mounting like like giant pile of evidence of just like why are we trusting Ezra again? Because mm-hmm. it's like Ezra doesn't have friends. Or family, really. Like, the family kind of, like, disowned him because they're too wealthy. You know, his his family with his son and with his ex-ex-ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like, it's all very, very tricky. And I want to, I, like, I just want to know who are his buds. Like, who are his dudes?
0: I don't know if he can have buds.
1: Because he's always hanging out with Toby and Caleb. Like, that's not whole. Cool. Trying sure.
2: to get involved, yeah.
0: Like, yeah. if I was like his age and like we'd hung out and then I found out that he was dating a high school student, what I would, would you just kind of like, you know, maybe just not call him as much and slowly drift away. I don't think I could be <laughs> friends with somebody <laughs> like that.
1: Well see Hardy. That's yeah. exactly what Hardy did. Well, see, like, yeah, I th- bye. I
2: feel like the return of Hardy is that he comes back into town from New York. They mm-hmm. get a beer. Yeah. Aria shows up and Hardy's like, "This, this is still happening. And he just yeah. kind of just gets up. Put yeah. some money on the counter, just walks yeah. out.
1: It's yeah, exactly. But uh but it is it is funny and we always do the joke whenever there's a big scene between all of us and our significant others. Ezra's always in the room, and it's so funny because like they're like always broken up. Anyways, it's just, like why mm. are you still here? And uh, and it's like Spencer's the first person to say it. She's always just like, wait, aren't you guys like not together? Mm. And uh, and we always joke because like as soon as the scene like we're blocking it, I'm just like, hey, why are you here again? And he's like, I don't know, I'm forty. <laughs> <laughs> so we do we do have a lot of fun on it it, you know with it on the show
2: well i mean if you if you look at the christmas one where they're all on the stairs there ezra is so happy to be there
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so creepy we couldn't we couldn't handle that i mean i think that they had to shoot us out of that scene because we just couldn't stop laughing on the other side of the camera they eventually just actually asked us to leave the set because (laughs) To have them up there and say Merry Christmas in their boxers, and especially Toby with his broken leg, because when he came down, it was like Tiny Tim. He was so happy, and he's just like hobbling down the stairs with his Christmas smile and his like little boxers on, and I, I lost my shit that day. I couldn't take <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> so you you did have a a scene with Ezra where you got to scream and yell them in the park when um when you thought that he had broken up with Arya because, you know, A's machinations. Uh, and I think he gave an interview where you said when he first met Ian Harding, he kind of rubbed you the wrong way. Uh, did you kind of, like, tap into any of that for that scene?
1: Um, no, I didn't. No, he... And, and you know, it's funny. It's funny. Um, Ian and I... He, he didn't rub me the wrong way. I think that's kind of, like, gotten taken mm, okay. out of context over time. He, um... We've always had a really, really intensely, like sarcastic, like mean relationship. Um, and it's but it's always coming from a place of like we just like I I don't think anybody like can get each other. Mm-hmm. And I mean like get yeah, like make fun of like like Ian can make fun of me and I can make fun of Ian. So when we get on set with each other, it's just it's like brutal go time. And it's like a little bit like the cat the claws come out and it's super fun. And so when we first met, uh I was at the network test for Spencer and he was there for for Ezra and and uh I think we just got into some I don't even remember what the conversation was about but like some tiff and we just like instantly fell into that like mocking of each other and it was I think it was strange for us because like we did not know the other person mm-hmm. and so it, it was very socially unacceptable but yeah since then we've just had so much fun making fun of each other over the next the next couple seasons and also you know we we it was very important for us, especially in the pilot to, uh, to hang out with each other because we were both just coming out of theater school. And so we had had a very similar experience of like four years of intense theatrical training and not a lot of like TV work. And then all of a sudden here we were on our first jobs and it was this pilot of this TV show. We, we were lost in Canada. And so I think we just kind of like held on to each other and like, we're like, I love you, man, but, like, I'm going to make fun of you, but, like, I love you, and please don't leave me because you're the only person I know here who's, like, kind of on the same mm-hmm. wavelength as me. Yeah.
3: Okay. Um- so,
1: anyways, the meme stuff that came out, <laughs> I think it was actually just, like, a lot of, like, I think also the oh, it, that's interesting, too. Whenever Ian and I have a scene together, it's, it sounds so nerdy, but, like, our our actor gloves come out. We, like... We joke hard, and then, like, if somebody has to get emotional, it's, like, a little bit competitive. Mm. I I think because we both are like, oh, yeah, were you really trained? How about this? And then we're like, bam! (laughs) So I think it gets a little so nerdy that I say that, but it's totally true.
2: (laughs) I could just see that there's, like, there's an AD whose job is just to hand you both York's skull.
1: (laughs) Oh, I mean, we would go way too deep. Way too deep. (laughs) Almost as deep, I think, as if as if Keegan and I did. I mean, Keegan and I like when we're bored, we recite Shakespeare to each other, so it's it's kind of the same thing.
2: <laughs> Speaking of co-stars, so what was it like uh, doing that scene with the snake in the dressing room before CC beat it to death with a mannequin leg?
1: <laughs> and also, she did a great job of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also have to say that's one of my favorite shots of CC just in the back wailing, <laughs> and I don't even know what I was trying to like suggest that Spencer had been through, but it's like. I don't, When I fall to the ground, there's this look on my face that I've since seen. And I was just like, I don't actually even know what I'm doing there. But it's really, it's hilarious. It's almost like I can't, like, I'm, like, too frail. And I can't, like, catch my breath or something. <laughs> it's really funny. Um The snake was great because, so, a lot of the girls on our show are very girly, I will say. And so, they always have to come up to them and say, you're going to be trapped in a box with a kangaroo. You know, and they'll go, no, 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 not happening. No, 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 no. And then they look at me, and they're like, Troy, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Just put me in with the kangaroo. It's fine. And then, of course, I see the kangaroo, and I'm like, it's so cute. I love it. So it then became like, how many terrible things can we just throw at Spencer season? And, uh, and you know, I think that was Oliver's episode or something. And he came up to me, and he's like, how do you feel about snakes? And I was like, I actually really like snakes. And he was like, oh, wait till you see. This one it's going to be so creepy. And I was like, okay, sure. And then I got really – and then that was the day where I actually just played with the snake all day long. Mm-hmm. It was so cool. It was great. And and it's super fun because then I got to play the like really freaked out, like girly, high-pitched screams. But it was really – it's actually pretty difficult to work with animals because – and not for the reasons that you'd imagine. But, you know, the snake that they put in with me, there were two snakes. One was a very poisonous snake that I was not able to actually be – I wasn't even supposed to be on the same sound stage as it in case it got out and like randomly went up and like bit me. And then like they're out of Spencer, I guess. Um, so, but I w- weaselled my way on so I could watch it. And that's the one that's very aggressive. And they, they kind of actually had to like poke it with a stick to get it to kind of do the snapping thing. But They shot that separate from me. Now the snake that I had to do the scene with was like not poisonous, was so chill and they get it in there and I'm supposed to freak out and scream and snakes, feel their way through vibrations so they don't like screaming at all and so i'm screaming and this snake wants no- he's literally afraid <laughs> of me backing away from me and they're like could you get closer to the snake and i'm like the snake wants nothing to do with me right now <laughs> like, i actually can't pretend that i'm trying to like get closer to the snake while trying to get away from the snake but it was a really fun scene because i got to play with snakes all day long so i was in heaven
2: I just it just occurred to me that you had the snake there's uh-huh. oscar the raccoon tippy oscar the bird uh, there was the crazy horse from season uh, Crazy
1: horses, which, like, was the, which was the horse from War Horse. Oh, wow. I was a little bit enamored with that. Like, I fangled. I was like, I recognize my horse. <laughs>
0: are, are there any other, like, action sequences you'd want to see Spencer do, like fencing or kickboxing or anything like that?
1: Oh, fencing for sure. I've always... I've always... I, I always dreamed of... And I tried to get that. We really tried to do it one year Um, and we actually couldn't get the rights at the last minute. It was really, it, I think maybe I can talk about it there. We were supposed to do a play
3: mm.
1: and we were supposed to do the play, The Bad Seed. All um, right. And it was going to be a really cool two episodes because there was going to be a bunch of rehearsals, which I think we, th- we did. We did like a little storyline with the rehearsals, but then there was supposed to be an episode where it was the production of the play. Oh, wow. And I think I... I think I think Spencer was the lead in it, but while we were doing the play, we were also getting terrorized by a in between in the, like the back of the <laughs> seats. And I guess like, Spencer was just like such a drama queen that she was like, "I'm not gonna let it ruin the play." Like, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so it was so it was this wonderful sequence that I think was written that we ultimately had to completely scrap, where we would be on stage playing one reality of the bad seed, and then I think it was before you knew that Allison was alive, and it was kind of like going through the trauma of our own bad seed mm-hmm. off stage. So I would love to have done something like th- that. I would love like an action sequence where Spencer has to, I don't know, she's playing like Hamlet or something. It's just like, come on and like sword fight. But like, she's actually sword fighting with a, you know, mm-hmm. that would be super fun.
2: You could do a thing where, the fencing mask comes off and there's like five other masks. <laughs> that. It's
1: just like a, the Russian dolls. Yeah, of masks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so we always love like the scenes where it's like a two hand between like Spencer and another character. And, and we can imagine like you were saying, it takes a certain kind of work to build that that familiarity. Like, you know, with like Keegan Allen. Uh, but like, what was it like building the opposite of that with like Ryan
3: Merriman?
1: <laughs> Ryan's a sweetheart. He's just, he's so funny and he's so sweet and it's, it's just like, it was totally fine because I think we're just very, very different people Um, just in the same way that Spencer and Ian, he's not like a bad person like, uh like Ian was, but I think it was just that kind of like constant, like, wha- we're not gonna, we're, we're not on the same page here and that was just like very easy to play and also, he was doing the creepiest things like, <laughs> with the him, milk? him drinking the milk will go down, again, it's like, one thing where I I think they had to remove me from the stage because I was like, I cannot be here (laughs) while this is happening. It's too hilarious. So I think it's just weird stuff like that where he would play it and he would play it so well. And so all I had to do was just be in that moment and just be like, ew. Ew." Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) do you have any particularly favorite like Spencer Melissa scenes? I know you guys have like so many great clashes over the show.
1: Oh, man. I'm really trying to think we had so many good clashes. I love early Spencer and Melissa. I was
0: going to say, it all seemed like um, every every scene you guys have early on, it was like Melissa was trying to extend the olive branch at the beginning of the scene. And then by the end of the scene, it was like, fuck you.
1: Yeah, I like, know. <laughs> every just, single time. Totally. Totally. And and also, like, I just, there's such history between the girls that we we just I, I I mean we were making we were like God we you must have tried to kill me as a child like there's <laughs> so much animosity and it will just never be fixed mm-hmm. and um I think some of the earliest scenes that I really loved you know I, I think it was like the second episode that one where we all went to dinner and we we're playing like high low or something at the table and I was getting drunk you know stuff like that but also recently oh God what was that scene where it was I think I counted and there were there were something like 10 metaphors that we were speaking to each other. Um, where like Melissa walks in and she like looks to the Dilorentis house and and we're speaking about I forget if we're I get I forget who we're speaking about. I think we're speaking about Allie mm. and I'm talking about how I wanna still be friends with her and, and she's basically telling me I can't trust this girl. And it just went through everything. It was like, you know. Blood is thicker than water. And it mm. was like, yeah, but you're dumber than rocks. Like, like I don't even know what it was. But it was, just, you know, there's like biblical references and like old school <laughs> references. It was just like insane. And I think we would get to the end of the scene and we both love each other and be like, wait, what were you talking about? Because it was so thickly, like heavily, like it, 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 they just couldn't be honest with each other. I, mm. I really wish that I could remember. I'll have to think on it and like, I'll email you guys if I remember. Yeah, what it else. Seems,
2: that seems so fitting of these characters too because they they would retreat. They're both brilliant. They would retreat into yeah. these like war of words as they're also like, as much as they're reacting to each other, they're also trying to build up to not be wounded anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: yeah, just put them at the back uh, you know, in front of like the graveyard between your house and the De Laurentiis house and watch them go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there were, a lo- I'm, I'm really trying to think of like, anytime that they have a fight and also there's a wonderful episode when, uh, the wonderful scene, with Nolan North who plays Peter and um and Melissa and there's like a great conversation where like they're oh they're hiding the fact that Melissa buried mm-hmm. um that Melissa buried Bethany and uh and they're talking to each other like an old married couple like so just like you can't tell the child and I'm just like you guys you have to stop and you have to tell me and I remember it was just such a fun scene to play uh, <laughs> between the three of us. Because, uh because th- that too, there's just so many secrets. And I think finally, I was just like, I think Spencer just like knocked the wall down. She's just like, I don't care anymore. So.
0: Yeah, I remember also loving the scene where it's the one with like Ren, I think makes an appearance and Melissa says what's really relying on something like no company is better than bad company. And it's such just like a just a shiv right in the gut for Spencer. Yeah. Right when she was yeah. starting to like not be completely nuts, you know.
2: Well, and right around then too, we talked about this in the podcast. I remember when Ren picks up Spencer to take her to go attack Mona at the academic Decathlon, <laughs> and Ren's like, "Melissa, we should go out for drinks sometime or something." And the look Melissa gives him is just like, "Are you high?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they start shacking up, up in London.
3: Yeah,
1: living in London together. Which is, that was really fun, too, when Spencer went to London. <laughs> Getting to play that jam was just amazing.
0: Total side question. Can you do an English accent?
1: Uh, Yes, I can. I'm okay. not going to do it for you guys now. That's uh, fine. Because it's very rusty. But yes, mm-hmm. I had to play a number of British roles uh, in drama school. So Excellent. I feel pretty comfortable with it.
0: <laughs> uh, so speaking of the, the Hastings family they're I think to us, it's all kind of seemed like Spencer was kind of like Peter's daughter and Melissa was Veronica's. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on the the family dynamic there?
1: You know, it's funny. I never thought that before. Also very funny with the accents. Nolan North is a master impersonator and a master at damn near everything. He's so funny. He and I love accents. We love doing Mm -hmm. accents. We love doing them to to each other and impersonation. So when we rehearse scenes... We'll just, like, right before we go, they'll be like, action, and I'll just be like, Irish! And then we just do the scene that we're about to shoot in an Irish accent. Or he does, like, a Chris Walken impersonation, <laughs> so I'm just like, Daddy Walkens! And, like, he has to do the whole scene as Christopher Walkens, and it is... It's amazing. So anyways, we... I I thought that I would drop that in about the accents, because he's <laughs> just so funny. But about Peter being... Uh, Spencer being Peter's daughter, I had always thought that... that, uh, Peter and Veronica, they, I had always thought that they were kind of done, um, after Melissa Mm. and especially because you know, I I think Veronica knew that Peter was kind of shacking up at the same time. I mean, it's crazy because Jason and Melissa are the same age. So he got two women pregnant at the same time. Now he chose to stay with Veronica, but I do think that there was just like a huge rift And I think that probably they were kind of done having kids and they were both just like, since they both like don't live together at all, pretty much they were like, whatever, we can just keep this household going and raise our kid and it'll be fine. And then they probably had like one really, really intense fight and then really, really intense makeup sex. And then they had Spencer, which was like (laughs) totally unexpected. And so I think I feel like Spencer has always been the like after the footnote in the family And because she was treated that way and raised that way, and Melissa was just, like, the kid who could do no wrong and, like, the golden child, I think that Spencer internalized that into her way of dealing with her family, which is, like, honestly, you are not my family. Like, I am here, I rent a room upstairs, I pay you in sarcastic remarks, and I'm leaving when I'm 18. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that that's what's been a really fun journey to to go with Spencer on is that from the very beginning, I think that's really the way that it was and the way that she she was in her family. And slowly the walls have had to come down between all of her family members, between Peter, between Melissa and between Veronica, so that they can see who Spencer really is. Because in the beginning, their love was conditional. It was always based on what you're doing, who you're being, how good you are at sport. You know, it's... That's why I loved that in the beginning, you know, Spencer. Whenever she would talk to Peter, it was like about tennis, you know, or about like their competitive edge, you know, like that. And now she has real conversations with everybody in her family.
2: I I wish it would become like official canon that you've just given her origin. She was born out of this like righteous <laughs> fury. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, Sp- Spencer would be born out of righteous fury. That's it. <laughs> it makes sense.
2: So we like we were talking about the the dark spencer's saga and like one of our our absolute favorite moments is when she's about to meet the PI and she's in the car like, yeah putting herself together and back together there seemed like there were so many great moments we talked about how like that that whole storyline lingered there was that scene there's a scene where she's in the kitchen before Arya shows up and she's about to lay into Arya that maybe they deserve some of their lot in life and like I don't know, It's just I loved the, the way the storyline just slowed down and it basically yeah. like, you just took the stage like. Are there any more moments that you kind of wished could just elongate in Spencer's life?
1: Well, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, often. I really loved that I was trusted with that. And actually, the, the two things that's really interesting about this, those uh, story, those moments that you brought up was that that whole sequence with Spencer meeting the P.I. Uh, I forget who was directing that. I think it was Roger. Was it Roger Cumble who was directing that episode? could be could oh, be i don't remember
0: one of us can check
1: uh we can uh, check but i i remember i was talking with the director and he said to me very plainly he said you know i don't know if this is going to make sense to you but i don't know if spencer knows how much she's going to have to give up of herself and i want this to play as if you are this is your first trick as if you're going to play your uh, as if you're going to what? prostitute yourself for the first time and this mm-hmm. is your first trick and it was something that was so amazing because I was just like, yeah, that, I mean, it does, you know, I'm going to go meet a PI about my boyfriend, but I think there was something emotionally to that for Spencer where she really was giving up a part of her soul in in a trade. And she wasn't even sure if she wanted the answer. Um, so everything about that, that moment in the story really was crafted around, you know, me, me preparing to do that. And, and the way that it's told, the way that the you know, that like you see his hand on the table and the way that you see me sit down, what I was wearing and the makeup that I was wearing. And, 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 and then also that funny, that scene with Aria, there's this really amazing, I don't know where it is, but we have to find it. Cause it's that, that scene was with, I think that was directed by Michael Grossman. It was written by Maya. Um,
0: I, I can offer a quick uh, update on that. Michael Grossman directed the episode where you met the PI.
1: That was okay. So it was Michael. It was Michael. Yeah. Cause that was the same episode with mm-hmm. that scene with Aria and that scene originally was, um, Spencer was in her kitchen and you couldn't see what she was doing. She pulled out, she like was just kind of staring off in the nothingness, like how Spencer sometimes stares into the abyss. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then she went over and she got these scissors and you, I remember when we were reading it, we were like, oh my God, is she going to hurt herself? Like what's happening? And she looks in the microwave for fl- like in the door of the microwave and she just kind of lifts them up to her hair and kind of lines them up to just take a big chunk out of her own hair. And right as she's about to do that, somebody knocks on the door. Mm-hmm. And that was like the beginning of Splinter, Spencer. And it actually ended up being too intense. The the network cut it because they were just like, I don't think they knew quite how dark we were gonna go, and so they were just like, I don't know, it scares us. <laughs> so somewhere there's a really really amazing moment, and that had to be cut out. Um, But I I love it when they let us slow down. I think that's one of the the biggest issues that I have with the show, and I know that the writers would say the same thing because they're being held to it kind of against their will sometimes. But things aren't allowed to just lie. And uh, and I think that it would do, it does so well when you just let those things play. Because you really do have a show full of really, really capable actors. And mm-hmm. if you let them sit in a storyline, a lot of interesting shit's going to come out. <laughs> so I always love that.
2: Uh, speaking of which, you said once that the worse Spencer looks, the better <laughs> you think you look. We were just wondering yeah. if you could expand on that. <sighs>
1: I, I hate a lot of makeup, you know, the, the amount of makeup that we have to wear on the show for HD also just because it's, it's pretty little lives we're supposed to look perfect. Mm -hmm. And I'm always the person who like, I love my hair and makeup team, but as soon as they like, you know, walk away, I'm like, "Ah," and I like mess up my hair. And we all do, because I think we're all very, we're all yearning at this point. And from the very beginning, you know, I, I just don't think we were ever very interested in the aesthetic Mm -hmm. of the, these characters having to be so perfect which is interesting because I think that's very important to a lot of our fans. And that's been the most interesting thing for me to deal with whenever I speak to fans is that there's a lot of need for mm-hmm. this word like perfection. You are perfect. You're flawless, flawless, flawless. Um, I think it's just kind of in the zeitgeist right now that people want that. And I was never interested in that. I, I've always been more interested in people looking like people on TV and... I know that we would never do this show without makeup, but we came damn near close with Spencer, you know, when I got to, it was, it was so much fun. And it was great for the, you know, my, um, the woman, Rebecca Wachtel, who does my makeup. She's done my makeup since the episode two. She wasn't there in Canada with us, but you know, she's, she and I have so much fun when we get to do dark Spencer, because we get to put, you know, bags under my eyes. We get to put red liner on the inside. So it looks like I haven't slept. And, you know, she puts like red blotches in my skin and, And it feels there's something that it's like putting on a different costume. You know, when when Hannah puts on her high heels, she becomes like school Hannah. And, you know, you can see it in the way that she walks. You know, when Emily puts on her Converse sneakers or is in like a bathing suit, you know what I mean? That's like her version. And I think when Spencer's in blazer prep school, it's one thing. And then when she gets to wear, you know, a hospital gown and her hair is like all whacked out and it looks (laughs) like she's punched in both eyes, that's when I feel almost the most free as an actor to you know it it came out perfectly in that scene with eddie the first scene with eddie lamb when i was administered and you don't know what's going on with spencer that sort of like i think it was almost like a register to spencer's voice that i had never experienced just came out on the day it was just a register of like honestly i don't give a fuck anymore (laughs) and it was like it took me by surprise and i think it took everybody else by surprise and it was It was fun. And I think that the makeup was like a very integral part of that, not having the perfect hair and the perfect makeup.
0: Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it seems like within the show itself, one of the things that A is doing is kind of deconstructing and destroying their ability to kind of be the, you know, the flawless it girls. Like, I mean, so it makes sense that by, you know, five seasons in, you know, two years on the show or whatever, it's like they've stopped caring about so much that they used to care about because they're just surviving at this point.
1: Yeah. That's what that's what I think too. But we still <laughs> have to be really pretty, and I don't understand it sometimes. Like, yeah. it, like it, that's a funny thing. Whenever you know, I come in and they're like, "What nail color do you want?" And I'm always like, "Guys, my boyfriend's dead. I was admitted <laughs> into a hospital. I've lost all my scholarships. I don't just red. Just give me red. It'll be fine. Just red. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can always because because they do always have that thing. You know, where it's like. I'm waking up. Why do I need to do my hair and makeup? And they're like, because you're on Pretty Little Liars, like just shut up and let us do it. <laughs> so it it is, it is a part of the look of the show, but I think that you're right. We're slowly deconstructing that because it's about time to. Yeah.
0: Speaking of dead boyfriends, um, <laughs> yes. was there like a, were there like a bunch of Austrian scenes where like Toby was just groveling and begging after season three, like
1: <sighs> they're better. Man.
0: Like, I'm so sorry that I, I put you in a mental institution.
1: Uh- they really better have been but you know but that's where i i love this storyline between spencer and toby because i think so many uh, i've really started to play i noticed that i was playing actually like a subversive uh, ulterior motive in a lot of my scenes that that was written in in some points and not in others mm-hmm. which is that like i really do believe that um you know i think i think everybody who watches the show or a lot of people who watch the show they just want the people that they love to be together. They just want Phoebe and Ezra and uh, H- Haleb and what is it?
3: Paley a- a- Am- or Amison
1: yeah. a- Am- or whatever. Yeah. They just want them to be together. It's like, everything will be okay if you're just together. And it's like, well, no, one, because you like drama mm-hmm. and you love watching these characters struggle. And two, these characters are growing up and the relationships that you formed in high school are not necessarily the relationships that you're going to keep for the rest of your life. And I think that that's a very important thing that we have to go through and if I once believed that my boyfriend was dead and then you know, I went over the dark side I fully accepted his death and I accepted that oh no then I accepted that he was alive and that he was actually torturing me <laughs> and that I had lost my virginity to somebody who was actually manipulating me and then I was willing to go to the dark side and betray possibly betray my friends just to like figure out why he had done this and then we get back together and we're like fine and then I get kidnapped, you know, and trapped <laughs> in a dollhouse. It's like, to me, realistically, I cannot continue to play Spencer as just the loving girlfriend. You know, it it all depends on what is going on. How does she bounce back? How do they bounce back? If they mm-hmm. do, is something broken that is at this point irreparable? Because, because it, 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 it's just honest, you know, I know that that Toby is her safe place to land. But I think that they're did, they've done a really, really good job of presenting a problem with him joining the police force, which is these girls do a lot of illegal shit <laughs> and he cannot hear about it anymore. And Spencer is showing no signs of slowing down. Um, and that is a rift. That's a real rift between them. And as much as they may love each other, I think, you know, that is something that has to be represented. So. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. So I've definitely been playing that. I'm sure the fans will also not be happy. I I don't want this to seem like all I'm trying to do is piss off the fans, but <laughs> I, <laughs> but I also do think that um, that it's important for these characters.
2: Mm-hmm. I think I think it shows that sometimes Toby's best intentions he doesn't think them through logically. Like, yeah. what would be the problem of me joining the A team? Uh, what would be the problems of me joining the police force when my girlfriend is now like a hardened, violent criminal. criminal? Yeah. <laughs> I mean she has to show another guy how you how you pick a lock and yeah. steal art.
1: Oh yeah, and she learned that like in eighth grade. Like that was yeah. before her life went to mess. <laughs> exactly.
2: So speaking of Dark Spencer saga once more, uh, do you think Spencer ever used that robot death shower in her house
3: again?
1: <laughs> oh my god. What was that set? It was a ama- I was so amazed. I was just like, guys, like why are we leaving this up? Because I wanna have every scene in this bathroom.
2: We assumed the Christmas episode eventually all moved up there. <laughs>
1: You know, later on, when uh, in our minds, everybody did uh, drugs that made them very happy and very in love with each other. (laughs) They all ended up in that robot death shower celebrating a very big Christmas dinner. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she ever used the robot death shower. I mean, I think that's enough to be trapped in there, probably never to go back. So that would explain it. But there is a door in Spencer's bedroom that leads to the bathroom. And I always imagined that inside that bathroom, it was like a very tiny, just like, water closet
3: mm-hmm. you know
1: with like a vanity and some like makeup and then when they showed me that that's where i was getting trapped i was like okay you've been holding out on exactly how wealthy the hastings are
0: <laughs> <laughs> so in the uh in the pretty little liars version of clue uh who does spencer murder in what room and with what weapon
1: oh my god that's such a good question Oof. well okay I-, I probably have to go through what are the rooms again so there's the conservatory mm-hmm. No, there's the uh, kitchen, library, library. Um, a,
2: is it a study? There's
0: a. study. Oh, yeah, I think study. there's a study.
1: There's a ballroom. Okay. There's a ballroom, but that is our answer. Spencer mm. would murder somebody in the study, one hundred percent. And what were the weapons? There's a gun, a, a noose, knife, a noose, a crowbar, like
2: a wrench, lead pipe. A wrench.
1: Yeah. Oh, the lead pipe. A right. Dagger. A dagger. A dagger. Um, I was going to say a noose, but it would for sure be a dagger. I think she'd just shank somebody near the books and then walk away so quietly and just go back to dinner. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> That's a great question.
2: <laughs> so, uh, going from that, so what is, do you think, one of your favorite Spencer outfits on the show?
1: Oh. Oh, wow. I, I do think it would probably be, there have been a lot. I, I love it whenever Spencer, I always joke that it's like Spencer's, Spencer's only ever, like, Spencer, which makes sense, you know, like her, like, blazer and, like, very classic Spencer. Or she's just, like, trying on a whole new character. And mm-hmm. I'm always so confused by that because it's, like, today Spencer's a little sailor. Or, like, today Spencer's, like, 1970s, like, cowgirl who's wearing all denim. And, like, there's never, you know, like, Hannah's always Hannah. is always crazy. Mm-hmm. Emily's always chill. And then Spencer's always just, like, in some weird, like, costume drama in her head. Like, I don't know why. So probably... My favorite look for Spencer would be in season one, I think it was when she first tries to go over to her, uh, Toby oh, and yeah. she's wearing that like black capelet and like uh and a her French hair nanny. Like, yeah. She's like a weird French nanny um, who also is in like Scotland Yard or something. You know, it, I think that was probably my favorite. Yeah. Uh,
2: I missed the uh, like steampunk adventurer Spencer outfits.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Spencer has this one coat. Uh, I think you've worn it twice on the show where we, we call it the X-Men trench coat because it's like, it's like this normal trench coat with a leather sleeves. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, I think we've seen that a few times. Is that like, is that your own coat? Or is that just like a Spencer coat that just comes out occasionally?
1: No, hilariously, that actually was Spencer's coat. And then I loved it so much (laughs) that I asked Mandy to buy me a copy. So I've, and I've worn it, like, been like photographed in it. People are like, she wears her clothing, you know, like Spencer's (laughs) clothes. I was like, no, really, that's like it. Um, But yeah, it's such a rad coat. I've worn it so much that the sleeves are like utterly tattered. Um, It's got like giant gold zippers everywhere. And it really does make me feel, as Spencer, like a complete badass. So whenever I'm like seriously sleuthing, I'm like, give me the coat.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: there's also a really great Spencer coat that is, um, I wore it like on the dock with Melissa, that one weird episode where like, there was like a cast with the
0: masks. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Creepy. And there's this, it's a great coat where it looks like a, like a 19th, like turn of the century, like, like English men's, like something like, like Dorian Gray would wear. Like it's very, it's got like tails and it's like very sweeping and I feel very like strong and like manly and romantic in it. Um, So, but, but like, the, I feel like those are the two like main Spencer codes. It's either very like British high drama or like super detective.
2: <laughs> so, you said before that, you know, Mandy line lets you influence Spencer's look a little here and there. Is there like a style that you'd want Spencer to get into a big way that, that maybe will never happen?
1: Yeah. I mean, I am, I'm such a little like punk rocker that I always wanted Spencer to go, and Mandy does let me do it, like Spencer to go goth. Mm-hmm. But, and it's funny because there's that side of Spencer and it's like, it's the dark Spencer. Like she's recently, I've been wearing a lot of these boots by rag and bone that look like normal black boots, except that there's like a piercing in them. And I love these boots so much. And I took a picture of them and like everybody on Instagram was like, those boots are freaking ugly. Like they're so (laughs) gross. And I was just like, these are my favorite boots I've ever worn. Shut up. You can't like, I don't care anymore, but I, yeah, I love it. whenever Spencer gets to wear black and uh, something that's like slightly goth. Or, um, or a little bit edgier. And I think Mandy would let me go, never go fully in that direction, but Mm. we, we do refer to it as goth Spencer, which has Mm. been slowly creeping up over the episodes.
0: (laughs) I'm always looking for Spencer to just go full, like Indiana Jones. seems like there's a little bit of that every once in a while too. Well,
1: you did see my Indiana Jones (laughs) Nazi villain outfit, which I was just like every scene that I wore it in, I was just like, Oh God, what was the line that I kept on repeating from that from that film of Indiana Jones, oh God, no ticket, no kick
2: it, <laughs>
1: yeah, okay, okay. yeah, that was it, you no know, was something it was it was like some question that he asked him, but i i I kept on calling Keegan Allen that entire episode, I didn't call him Keegan, I just kept on calling him, Mr. Jones, Jones <laughs> um, in a museum, yeah, exactly, wait, what is it? wait, wasn't it no, Mr. Jones, I expect you to die, Was't that it?
0: Uh, well, that's Bond, but yeah, it's kind that's of similar bond. flavor. Yeah.
1: Similar. yeah. I kept on doing that. See, him. that's
2: that's the only downside oh. to a yeah. not having a voice is when, like, the dollhouse scene when Spencer's trapped to a table with like a laser about to cut her in half. She's
0: like, Wait,
1: Did that well, happen?
2: No, <laughs> on no. oh, <in> Bond. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, please don't give them any ideas. Please don't give them any ideas.
0: Well, yeah, yeah it's, Emily almost got sawed in half, so it's not that far off
1: i i think i asked i i think i actually asked i was like please have it written in our contracts for season seven that nobody's allowed to get locked in a box with an animal especially <laughs> not me anymore please no more boxes i have been locked in so i was like locked in like a carnival ride like what was that? Mm,
3: yeah yeah yeah
1: so wait you were saying that if a had a voice
2: oh i was just saying like the no spencer i expect you to die <laughs> yeah just exactly the it
1: was so good
2: But yeah, I like you about that because, I mean, this is a character who's worn candy striper outfits, old nurse's outfits, wedding dresses, like Highlander captive prom dresses. You look like Kathy Bates in Titanic in one episode. Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: Which, by the way, it was totally unfair. Mandy totally took advantage of me in that episode. (laughs) By the way, she took advantage of my inner drama kid because she was (laughs) like – with that, she was like, we're going to be very – it's going to be like 100% accurate costumes. And like when I had done Mary Queen of Scots that first season, like I – was in so much pain mm. that that collar actually like at one point I was like guys my chest hurts my chest really hurts and they were like you'll be fine and then I took my costume off and I was bleeding wow. because it like pierced my skin and I was just like I told you it really hurt please get this off but I had that wig the Ronald McDonald's wig weighed mm-hmm. like 10 pounds um and I was so hot and everybody was in like underwear in the middle of summer just being like sexy cats or whatever and I was just like, like ugh why Spencer such a nerd but <laughs> I loved wearing those costumes and corsets. I love corsets. So anytime Spencer gets to wear a corset, I'm like so delighted. But she told me in that Halloween episode, she was like, we're going 100% accurate. And like, it's going to be really amazing. And so we have this costume, this like seamstress named Judith, who I love dearly. And she creates all of Spencer's dresses. Like they're really magnificent dresses. And So she came in and we were talking and we're like, okay, so we want a bustle and we want um, a really tight corset and we want a a really accurate collar. And I was like, and all the girls are going to be really accurate, like period accurate, right? And she was like, yeah, 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 (laughs) totally. And I show up and it's like the goddamn cleavage show. (laughs) And I am like, "Nobody nobody is accurate right now, historically accurate. None of these necklines would have worked. And, like, I'm not really complaining because, like, I don't need, like, to show, I don't have any boobs to show off. So I was like, whatever, this is fine for me. But I was also like, you motherfuckers, I am so hot. (laughs) I am, like, wrapped in a, like, noose of velvet. And I have to parade around while, like, Shay has a slit, like, up past her, you know, nether regions and, like, Ashley's boobs are basically falling out so that whole episode i was like pretty miserable on set because i was like here i was like with a bustle a full bustle not (laughs) being able to sit in my chair and i was just like you punks nice
0: so it's spencer she's kind of like the most uh like active investigator on the show for the most part and she kind of (laughs) has all these little hijink scenes with like Arya or emily or like caleb recently uh Mm -hmm. do you have any particular like favorite partner in crime character uh that you like doing those kind of scenes with
1: you know, actually, recently, it's been very funny. We've had Spencer and, and Hannah have just been, like, taking off. As We're just doing everything right now at this point in the season. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but, like, we're the dream team. Because I, I think, like, at this point, like, Aria and Emily have kind of, like, gotten, like, back into their relationships. They're just doing mm. a lot of, like, soapy drama and all of that stuff. And Hannah and Spencer have just, like, taken the charge as, like, this duo. And that's been really fun because the Spencer-Hannah scenes are just... It's, 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 just, it's, it's too much good comedy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause, cause Spencer's so dry and Hannah's so blunt mm-hmm. that it's just like it, they, they did, they're delightful together. But I love, I love doing scenes with, uh, with Tyler, with Caleb. He's really, really fun. And they're just so smart. You know, we, when we were doing that whole, what we refer to as like the hackathon of Spencer <laughs> and Caleb, cause there's just so much hacking going on. Mm-hmm. We we're like, let's be real about what we're really doing when everybody leaves this apartment. <laughs> we're just sitting down on the couch, ordering pizza, putting on our headsets, and like playing World of Warcraft together. Like we are not actually doing anything having to do with the A mystery. Like we're we're like a like, total show for his girlfriend and the rest of our friends. We're like, oh yeah, we're hacking the mainframe, trying to find A, and then we're just like you know, OER is just playing as Elves and Warriors. Code, code,
2: code, code, codaculus.
1: That's exactly it. yeah, code Cotastic. Cotastic. So I love that. I don't know if I've had anybody I wish there could just be like I said, like just a just one episode where just Spencer and Mona like finally team up and just don't talk to anybody and just like solve it all in like a day. And they're like, Okay, done. <laughs> Thanks. Bye guys.
2: Um, is there anyone on the show that you haven't done a scene with yet? Do you want
1: to? I think like Lindsay and I had like one scene. Uh, and we really mm. liked that. We really we really wanted more episodes where we had scenes together. I don't know if there's anybody that I've not done a scene with. Spencer gets a lot of really great, great people to do scenes with. Um, because Spencer just puts her nose in everybody's business so there's always a reason for her to like jump in people's cars and like start conversations for no reasons you know like that nobody else could do that but spencer does Mm -hmm. yeah
2: i'm just i'm flashing back to the uh to the uh the blind guy at the school who's just like are you okay your pulse is kind of racing
1: (laughs) i think spencer's always operating on a 10 (laughs)
2: yeah
0: spencer has a lot of skills like she plays the piano she speaks french she picks locks Is, is there any skill she has that you wish you had in real life
1: I would love to play the piano like Spencer. Apparently, can play the p- the piano, <laughs> and uh, I do speak French, but I wish I spoke it fluently like Spencer. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think when I was Spencer's age, I I spoke it like she mm-hmm. did because I was studying then. Uh, yeah, picking locks? Are you kidding? And also just her like, I I think I think we've have we have kind of spoken about it that Spencer, although it's hilarious because she's abused it with drugs, I do think Spencer has a photographic memory. We kind of explored that with the way that she takes in the room mm-hmm. when she figures out who Charles is. Uh, I wish that I had that. That would be amazing. Because I you know, I, I I, wouldn't destroy it with drugs the way Spencer does. <laughs> that's, that's the amazing thing. The only way Spencer can forget is by just completely blasting her <laughs> brain chemistry.
3: Well,
0: it's funny that they brought that plot line in with the, uh, the amphetamine so late, but it, it made complete sense. You're like, oh, yeah, Spencer would definitely be somebody who's <laughs> using Adderall.
2: Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was like, oh, why didn't I think of this? Of course she's doing it.
2: Study aid, yeah.
1: It's her study aid.
2: Yeah. Uh, So, like Shadowplay, is there ever an episode like in another genre If you could do the the show in? Like a Western or...
1: Oh, yeah. I think for a while, Oliver really wanted to do a Valley of the Dolls Hmm. episode, which I think would be so fun. Like, you know, Allie just being like, addicted to pills and like all of us just kind of lounging around like period 60s lingerie screaming at each other that would be really fun i think that we should do i mean you know in my like nerd perfect thing i would want to do like elizabethan it's just some kind of like shakespearean thing or we get to chase each other around with swords and make really <laughs> amazing monologues and climb up and down like vines to each other's windows because that's essentially what we're doing mm-hmm. we just mm-hmm. don't do it in really you know heavy costumes i I
2: could see a time jump to the 60s
1: (laughs) right it'd be so i mean come on caleb and hannah just dirty hippies and
2: Mm -hmm. uh, there's a void now that mad men is gone i think people really want pll to fill it
1: i think pll mad men would be such a good crossover yeah oh man that would be too much fun
2: So I know you've been asked this question before, and I'm so sorry to repeat it, but I'm just curious if subject has changed. If you could switch roles and play any of the other Liars, who would you pick? And if you could have someone one of the other Liars play Spencer, who would you
3: pick?
1: It's funny. So you're asking me the Liars, because I, th- I think in the past, when I've, when I've answered it, I've always wanted to play Allison. I think, she mm-hmm. Sasha does such an amazing job. And I don't know if I could do it, actually. I don't know how she does it. She just can be so mean, but there's also such a vulnerability underneath mm-hmm. it all. But as far as the other liars, probably Hannah. Mm. I guess there's um, the the like I said like the bluntness and the like emotional roller coaster that is Hannah. I think Ashley. I I don't even think that I could play it uh, any better than Ashley would, of course. But it would be really fun to try. And and actually, so the reverse of that, like if there was anybody I would want to see in Spencer, it'd probably be Ashley. Mm. Just because I would because when Hannah secretly turned out to be smart, I was just like all right, I can see this. And so when I watched Ashley play it, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's kind of just kind of like an idiot savant. Like it just like Mm -hmm. it just like comes out of you. You don't even know where you read it, but you definitely read it somewhere and you know it. Um,
2: It was a James Patterson book that she read.
1: It was a James Patterson book. Um, (laughs) Yeah, those are some of my favorite scenes, too, when I was when I called Hannah and she was reading. And I was just, you okay? Like, (laughs) I don't believe you.
0: (laughs) You mentioned uh, Sasha and, like, what she brings. When you guys did the pilot, she was, like, 13 or 14 years old. Was it weird playing against someone so much younger who was, like, kind of dominating you and, like, kind of bullying you?
1: 100%. So, first of all, she, I mean, we can come out and say it now. She flat out lied to all of us. She told us she was 14. <laughs> Later on, we found out she was 13 turning 14 then we found out she was 12 and then we found out she was actually 11 and then she was 12 in the first season so i think or i think she had like just turned 12 that is such an
2: allison thing (laughs) it's such an
1: allison thing we're just like ah stop fucking with my mind so it was very funny because in the the table read i was 23 when we did that pilot yeah i was 23 and um she (laughs) we were in the table read and we read everything and we went to the bathroom and I, we were like washing our hands and I was like, I just have to tell you, like you play this character so well. Like you remind me of the mean girls that like made fun of me. Like when I was, you know, uh, when I was like 14, like, I, I don't know how you're doing it, but like, you just mind like a really mean 14 year old. And she was just like, thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. She walks away. And like, somebody was like, you know, she is 14. Right. And I was just like, like <laughs> mind blown. I was just like, Oh no, that's why I feel so real. And so there was a lot of, she always seemed to me like, and she, and Sasha would say to like she's always been a 30 year old woman, like trapped in a young girl's body. And I've probably always been like a 12 year old boy trapped in whatever <laughs> age I am now. You know what I mean, like that's not going anywhere. I will always be a 12 year old boy, but she just exudes this this elegance and this grace and this confidence that I never had. And so it was a perfect dynamic, no matter what our ages were, for Spencer and Allison. And I would actually tell myself that like in the scenes, I was like, wow, you are 23. And this girl is, I thought 14, she was 12. (laughs) Um, And like, and it totally worked because she had no problem looking into my eyes and like putting that completely aside and just pretending like we were both 14. And so I had no problem doing it because she was totally there. And so it it actually helped me in the long run. Mm.
2: So do you think Spencer, uh, you know, she's been like a tense muscle for, for five-plus seasons now, you know, continuing to <laughs> struggle for life, the C'est La Guerre.
1: Somebody needs to let out her bursa sack.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but as Six eight comes to the conclusion, do you think she's ready to let time pass and just enjoy a normal life?
1: Uh, I I would say she is, but that's just me being selfish and, like, <laughs> wanting to see what Spencer would actually do with a normal life. But I, you know... I, i've I've spoken to Marlene a lot about this, and we we both are very clear that Spencer is an an addict her biggest like thing that she has to get over is that she's she is an addict she has an addictive personality, and one of the things that she's addicted to is the adrenaline of this past story and the mystery of a She has been the one who all oh, she cannot let it go
3: mm-hmm.
1: she has to go deeper, she has to find the answers, and it's oftentimes dragged her and her friends into really dangerous situations. And so I think that, you know, whether that was exploring through her past with drugs or her past, like we said, following her sexual impulses, there's always something about her personality that's going to be addicted to the wrong kind of thing. Mm. And so I'm interested to see how, as an adult, she either comes to terms with that or continues to struggle with that. Because I think that this story, more so than any of the other girls, it's formed Spencer's consciousness into what she's going to do with the rest of her life. I don't know if that means she's going to, you know, like Toby became a cop. Like, I don't know if that means she's going to continue to need to solve, you know, dramas or, you know, whether it's like be a lawyer, be a detective or something like that. She's going to need to keep that in her life. I don't think she's just going to disappear and become like a landscape painter. (laughs) Although that would be very interesting to see what landscapes Spencer would paint. Probably be like satellite pictures from space. (laughs) Things Um, on fire. (laughs) So many things on fire. So I, so I am interested to see how she, I'm so excited for this time jump to see where she ends up uh, with and who the people that she surrounds herself with. Cause I don't, I don't know if Spencer's going to be the healthiest person (laughs) five years after this. I, I hope so, but I don't think that'd make for really good TV.
0: Maybe she just starts pit fighting like uh, Ryan did on the OC.
1: 100% that would be. I mean, like I do that. You know, we always joked about how you'd reveal these characters. We wanted to reveal it like 20 years in the future. Mm, Um, You know, and I think like Hannah's just killing it in New York. She's kind of like an Anna Wintour. She's like a lady dragon at like a, some, I think they're like all really intense. You know, she's she's like like Anna went to her like Vogue and she's just like really mean and like don't talk to me and you know like we have to get the band <laughs> all back together yeah. mm. and you find like Arya and she's just like living up in a cabin like weird with like Ezra and all of their like <laughs> bizarre tribe of children that she's got like pregnant every year and they're like barefoot and he's writing some weird great American novel that's never gonna be finished and she's like always making him dinner and then and then there's Emily who I think moved out west mm-hmm. and is making metal art in Joshua Tree with her, you know, oh, yeah, nice. like longtime partner who just wants to be left alone to like make her art mm-hmm. near her father's, you know, army base. And then you find Spencer, who is just performing black market kidney operations and pit fighting in thailand like like what is happening to spencer but it is something like whether and she's also like double tied for like the kgb mm. and stripping mm-hmm. as a lady boy like it's just like you could go anywhere with her i could totally
0: see a scene like right out of like once upon time in the west where she like Enters a bar and you never see her like below her, like, you know, like chest area. And then when she finally like picks up the beer to drink it, she raises both hands and she's got like handcuffs on underneath or something.
1: 100 percent Like that is Spencer. Yeah. Or just cuts to her and like it's just chained feet walking through like a maximum security (laughs) prison and she's just got like a Hannibal Lecter face mask on. (laughs) And all of her friends are waiting on the other side. They're like, Spencer, we need to tell you something.
2: I was just thinking in my head, the, the girl with the lyrical name and 19 kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, maybe maybe in four years, Spencer will finally have gone to Westeros, finally gotten back on the Iron Throne.
1: Oh my God, she's going to win so hard. She's got the dragons. Yeah. She's got the dragons <laughs> and they need them to fight the White Walkers. So, you know, they're going to have to bring her around eventually.
2: Absolutely. I definitely want to pivot from this. I really enjoyed watching *Immediate afterlife the other day, starting with oh. Shay Mitchell and featuring Nolan North. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's Kyle Hasday and Matt Stewart from PLL. How did this project come together?
1: So this project came together because Matt and Kyle are fantastic directors, but they were working as PAs on our show. They went to, um, to Chapman uh, school uh, for film and they were working as PAs and Shay and I became very close with them over, I think the four years that they were working on our show because PAs are really the production assistants and um, Matt was running base camp, but Kyle was our number one. And so PAs are the people who just hang out with you all the time. You have to tell them everything, like when you're going to the bathroom or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to go eat something. So like they know you very well. Mm -hmm. And they are the people who, when you fall asleep at lunch, like they need to come into your room and like wake you up out of your like slumber and hope that you don't punch them in the face and you become very close with them. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, when I heard when Shay and I were, we, we would go, we would have these movie nights where Shay admittedly was not a cinephile. She did not know a lot of great movies. And, and Matt and Kyle and I were huge cinephiles. So we would pick a movie to show Shay
3: mm-hmm.
1: on a night. So we'd get to rewatch it. And, you know, so we'd watch a clockwork orange with Shay and she would just, you know, it didn't finish. And she would be like, it was kind of dark. And we'd <laughs> be like, yeah, but did you like, but we, you know, we get into like, what'd you think of it? And it's so cool to like show somebody for the first time. One of my favorite moments was, have you guys seen the movie Hunger?
2: With uh, Susan Sarandon?
1: No, no. Hunger with um, Michael Fassbender.
2: Oh, the, oh, 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 yeah. it was. Uh, by the, by the, the same Irish. time you did Shame, right?
1: Yeah. Why am I blanking? those? It Steve McQueen. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, there's this one scene where he's uh, he's a a, a prisoner, an so, uh, Irish prisoner, political prisoner. And um, before they went on the hunger strikes, they used to smear their feces all over the wall. And there's this incredibly long shot of this man just making concentric circles with his feces on a wall. And it was so <laughs> quiet as we were watching it. And there's like no music. And we're watching the shot just goes on forever and forever. And we're watching intensely because it's one of my like favorite films. And, and out of nowhere, Shay just leans over to me and she goes, that's poo, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and we like lost. Literally our shit. We were just like, yes, Shay, that is poo. And she's like, okay, I just want to make sure, okay? Um, And so, anyway, so we had these movie nights. And one night we had a movie night and um, and we were drinking a bunch of wine. And we, we we just got really real with them. We were like, look, you guys, we love you. We love having you on the show. But honestly, I don't think you're going to take the next step of your career if you continue to show Like, you're working here all the time. Like, when are you going to make your own content? When are you going to go out and be a director? And they were like, well, we're, you know it, – it, takes a lot and so you know we kind of made this amazingly drunken promise that we were like if you write a movie we'll be in it (laughs) and then of course they did and we were like oh crap we actually have to do this now and then they wrote it for us to be in bed sheets yelling at each other and for me to be a religious fanatic and i was just like cool guys (laughs) let's do this um so that is how that came about it was very fun
2: you guys have they have a new movie coming out correct
1: yes uh actually i did that one too yeah we did um I don't know how much I'm supposed to tell. Oh, I think I can tell this. So it's, I was very, very honored that they asked me to be a part of it. They took the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet and, uh, they cast four people. They cast two Juliet's and two Romeos, Mm -hmm. a male Romeo, a female Romeo and a female Juliet and a male Juliet. And then we each performed the scene in the four different combinations. Mm -hmm. So the, the Orthodox way, Uh, female, female, male, male, and then the reverse where it was a a male Juliet with a female Romeo. Mm. And then they interspliced the balcony scene the way that any director would shoot the balcony scene, but you have it interspliced to kind of bring up the question of, you know, what is love and is it the same across the sexes? And, you know, could you understand the scene if it was told by every different pairing? And isn't Mm -hmm. it all the same? Mm -hmm. So that is called Still a Rose because a love by a Rose by Any Other Name was so small and sweet, and so would love between any two people. And that is, I think it's just going around at festivals right now.
2: It's an interesting follow-up, considering that you wrote a short movie featuring it you was. and Shane Coffey, uh, who played Holden on PLO, uh, yeah. which is about Romeo and Juliet on the run. Yes. So it's a nice kind of uh, following up on that. Do you see yourself doing more behind the camera in the future?
1: You know, I really... Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm actually writing, I wrote a short film that we're about to shoot in August again. So we'll be doing that. I have a feature that I wrote that I've been trying to get off the ground for like what feels like an enorm- enormous amount of time, mm-hmm. but it's actually pretty normal for how much to take, get a movie off the ground. But, you know, both of my parents are writers and they're both directors and they both told me, you know, you, you really can't rely on people to just give you the roles that you want to be given.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, and so Exiles, which was my first, uh, creation in, that came all the way to its realization was actually truthfully out of just a, just like, I think like blind rage when I was just like one day I was on putting Little liars and, and I was, I was, you know, doing Spencer, but I just, I was just like, Oh, you know, so I'm going to be here and I'm going to be doing Spencer. And it's they, like, is that it? Is that all I'm going to be doing, you know, but I couldn't go out on auditions because I was being Spencer all the time. Mm-hmm. When was I going to do something else? And the windows to shoot other things were just non-existent.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, was really tired of like waiting around and being like a victim in my situation. So I was just like, okay, what am I gonna write about? Like what role do I wanna play? Oh, I've always wanted to play Juliet. Um and I've, you know, done bits and pieces of Juliet, but so what does that mean? Do I just stage a production of Romeo and Juliet? Jesus Christ, how egotistical is that? No, I'm <laughs> not gonna do that. I suppose it could be said that like writing a short film for yourself is egotistical as well. But um but I was but I was going through my first real heartbreak and uh and I was just like, huh, why am I so enamored with this idea of like romantic love? And why am I such a diehard Romeo and Juliet fan? And like, and wait a minute, did these kids even know each other? And like, what the hell? Would would Romeo and Juliet have just broken up or killed each other? Like if they actually got the chance, like maybe they just died in the honeymoon phase. And then I, And then I became obsessed with, let's let Romeo and Juliet have an alternate reality where mm-hmm. they do make it out and let's watch them just completely dissolve.
2: Nice.
1: Cause I was just setting fire to everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's yeah. a, there's a killer last line to that, to that film. But so if you could adapt any other book or play in the movie, what would it be?
1: Oh man. Uh, you know, probably my favorite book of all time is, you know, catcher in the rye. I don't think you could, mm. I think that would be just, fa- I, I actually had to, the really just suicidal thought that I wanted to adapt Franny and Zoe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It would be pure suicide, but I think it would be fascinating and so much fun for actors to do that story. But I'm really trying to think of what I would love to do. I think that, um, you know, I would, uh, I'm, I'm such a huge Shakespeare fan. I would still love to do a lot of Shakespeare. And I think that there was, it's funny, you know, there, there was an alloy series before, I was ever on an alloy show, alloy show when I was 15. I was obsessed with this alloy series that was called Fearless. And Fearless was about a girl who was born without the ability to feel fear. And, (laughs) uh, she had. Super spy parents who had to train her because she was in she she couldn't feel fear so she would just walk into really dumb situations and almost get herself killed so of course she was a mathematical genius as well and her father taught her like every language and just basically turned her into like a super spy it was actually Hannah before there was the movie Hannah mm, okay that mo- that movie was Starcy one and
3: right
1: so they tried to turn that into like a weird version of a TV show which is like kind of was like a like a precursor to alias um, where they like aged up the character. But my favorite book series fearless was just about this character who was then orphaned and she hung out in Washington square park and tricked people into believing she was just a poor little blonde girl. And then when they tried to mug her, she just kicked their asses. <laughs> so it's probably, it would probably be like fearless, the real fearless.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So there are so many like big movie franchises kind of like taking over like uh, film these days. You know, comic book movies, Star Wars, et cetera. Is there any like franchise that you would love to be a part of or thought it would always be fun to be in?
1: Oh man, that's tough. I love, I love comic book movies, but I'm not well versed enough Mm -hmm. to know, you know, I, I, you know, I like, I love like the X-Men movies and, and any, any sort of, I also love Harry Potter. So Mm -hmm. like, but I don't know if I would even want to be in Harry Potter. I just want to be a part of Harry (laughs) Potter. I just want to watch Harry Potter. Um, So what would be a really good franchise? I think I really loved, I loved, I loved the hunger games. I know that they're done now, but you know, Mm -hmm. I I really loved reading those. And I really, I think if, if I hadn't been on the show, I really would have tried very hard to be part of that. But unfortunately those are being created while I was on the show. So you cannot shoot, you cannot shoot like epic, you know, four month long Mm -hmm. movies. They Mm -hmm. they just won't even see you for the audition. So it's like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a there's a very funny rumor where they were like, Troyan wanted to audition for Katniss, and I was just like, Troy never could have possibly auditioned for Katniss because Troy was being Spencer Hastings, <laughs> mm-hmm. and also like I love what Jennifer Lawrence does with those roles, so that would be a world that I would like to be a part of. You're yeah.
2: doing you're doing your own Katniss in Rosewood. I'm doing
1: my own Katniss in Rosewood, Thanks. which is
2: its own kind of Hunger Games.
1: <laughs> Seriously, like how many people have to die?
2: <laughs> um, so, in like uh, so, one of the mini treats for us a few months ago was you know watching you and Norman Buckley and Justin Dorothy like just talk about old films and be cinephiles. Is there any like favorite movies that you would recommend to, like a PLL viewer?
1: Um, favorite old movies. Anything by Bergman. I mean, it's, it's tough. Cause you know, I, I, I would want to know like what they wanted to, to get into.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I always think people who are in our age range, who are in the age range, who really, really love PLL and, you know, in the age range of the girls would just love French new wave mm-hmm. films. Um, I just think there's something so delightfully feminine about them and, and romantic. Um, so I would say anything by Truffaut, day for night is amazing or Fellini films. But I don't know. I'm really trying to think of like any old movies. You know, I when when we were doing Shadow Play, I've always been a huge Lauren Bacall fan because when I was younger, my um, I I always had a really deep raspy voice, and it was kind of made fun of. You know, and and I grew up in a household full of boys, so Mm. they were just like, you know, they would they would yell over me, and I would always try to, to. keep up with them and i would yell and then i would lose my voice and mm-hmm. then they'd be like why don't you talk like a girl you know what i mean and like so many people you know i've always kind of made fun of my voice and when i was younger i remember my dad put on put on was it key key Largo? was mm-hmm. that the movie with lauren mccall and humphrey Bogart? was it the first one that they were in together
2: i'm not sure it's the first one but i know that's that's one of theirs together that's Yeah,
1: one of them she was 17 when she did this one it's yeah, it's it's the one uh, yeah, the one where you know you know how to whistle, don't you? Just put your lips mm-hmm. together and blow. And my dad put her on, and and he said, you know, listen to her voice, like she's you know, listen to her voice. She's you sound like her, and everybody, you know, the, the people fell in love with this voice. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I was like, oh, it's okay, it's okay to have this, you know. And then several years later, Scarlett Johansson is playing like you
3: know
1: <laughs> her, and it's just like low voices are great. So. So anything with Lauren McCall was really really important to me as a as a young woman um just because I think what she was doing was just so different than that whole, you know, everybody's super chipper, you know, mm-hmm. like a, the the Judy the Judy Garlands. I think I thought growing up that I had to be like a you know, a Dorothy right. and singing all those high notes and this voice is never going to sing those high notes. So so I think it was fun for me to watch that. So I recommend anything with Lauren McCall because she's amazing.
2: When you were describing uh, *Still a Rose*, I was thinking of PLL, and I was thinking of uh, that obscure object of desire by Bunwell, which mm-hmm. to me would appeal to the serious Ezria fan because it's, <laughs> yes. it's basically their relationship.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think we yeah we should give a lot of just like slightly off movie recommendations for all the Ezria fans that they can slowly come to terms with this extremely complicated and possibly not healthy relationship. <laughs> there I said it. Yeah. So,
0: so one question we we always ask uh, is that if you could see any kind of like spinoff from Pretty Little Liars, like any grouping of characters or kind of a side plot, like is there anything you think would work or would you like to see as a spinoff?
1: I always wish that I, we could just have an episode where it's just like the guys, like the girls are out of town, it's like the guys, <laughs> mm-hmm. and like what they would actually do hanging out, because they're always sleuthing together, mm-hmm. so... Um, so, you know, in that finale, we're all trapped and they're all utterly helpless. <laughs> and Ezra's punching, punching wall. the wall. Yeah. Dear God. And, you know, Toby's just being, uh, as I call him, "Awesome for Toby. Yeah. he's mm-hmm. just like, you know, gun wielding and like, you know, shoot first, ask questions later.
2: He now has a theme song.
1: He, he really does have a theme song. We always, every time he's like the worst cop ever because he is the worst cop ever. We wrote, we write it that way. I don't understand why they do it. <laughs> But I do always, all I have to say is I'm just like, awesome for Toby. Mm. Like it's, it's really good. And he's kind of embarrassed too. So I would love to see a show or an episode where it's all the guys and they just have a great time together and hang out. And then I feel like I could watch what the hell happened to Allie for those two years.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, where did she go? What kind of ladyboy strip joint did she get into? <laughs> what kind of cock fights did she have to get into to, you know, win rent money?
2: It's her and Hank Mahoney just grifting.
1: Oh, my God. It'd be so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd watch that show.
0: Yeah. I love the look that uh, Caleb gives Ezra when he punches the wall. He's just like, you OK, man? Like, it's like, seriously. For
1: sure, I'm going to tell you 100 percent. That's Tyler Blackburn. That's <laughs> like, that's not even Caleb coming up. That's Tyler Blackburn. Just be like, you yeah, OK, buddy. <laughs>
2: Well it's the few episodes before when they had their confrontation over Mike on the the, the porch of like Ezra's like uh, murder fuck cabin. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like Caleb has such like like glorious disdain for know, Ezra. It's so,
1: it's, it's so good. He's the only one who's so open about it. He's just like he's like, I never went to this school really. I never needed to be taught by you. Right. I I have no dog in this fight. Like you're you know. So you're
2: <laughs> ten years older than the rest of us. Stop trying to hang. He keeps calling Mike the kid.
1: Like, get out of this. (laughs) this. Well, my favorite, my favorite thing about Tyler and about Caleb is like, Tyler went to Ravenswood and saw some
3: shit,
1: (laughs) and so he has no patience for this Rosewood bullshit. Where like, we're not dealing with demons and ghosts. We're just dealing with like messed up people dealing with each other. So I feel like there's a whole bullshit barometer that like Caleb operates on. That's just like. Ugh, you people, you have no idea what I've been through. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Uh, So I know this is probably another question you, you get a lot, but. uh, No, the only
1: question that I will not answer for you guys that I get a lot is what was the last lie that you told? I'm just like, really? Oh, wow. Is that one you get a lot? Oh, Oh, interesting terrible.
2: Yeah, we I don't think we are interested in the last lie you told. Well, maybe now I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or or what it's like to kiss anybody. But uh, you know, if you could give advice to Spencer, what would it be? Other than leave. <laughs> yeah, other than oh, leave.
1: Yeah, and I, that, that's that's the caveat of this. I cannot say leave. Uh, well, in what regard? In regard to A or in regard what to mean, like living her life? Maybe just living
2: her life. Or how to commit better crimes.
1: Or how to commit better crimes and get away with it. Uh, stop dating a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> stop blacking out on drugs. I would say, I think that Spencer really, she needs to figure out who she wants to be outside of, of this, um, of this whole mystery saga. I feel like she, she's lets it dictate her life so much that she slipped off of. So she slipped out of so much potential you know what I mean? Whether it's, and I know, you know, we always joke, like the girls are never in class and they never do their homework because they're too busy running through the woods for their lives. But but I really do, it actually came up recently for me, maybe it's just because I'm a huge nerd and I was uh, the valedictorian in my class. But like, when like they talked about the girls actually like not graduating, I got (laughs) so upset. And I was like, these women need to finish their education. Mm -hmm. It is important. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, I'm sure after being like, locked up and like just tortured mercilessly. Like you don't really care if you just, just get your GED and finish it up. But I, I, you know, I, I do think Spencer needs to really evaluate the relationships in her life and what is serving her and what is, you know, kind of just still an old exoskeleton of the past circumstances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's growing up. I think that's, that's what she needs to oh, She needs to start doing. Sorry, my dog no. just jumped on the bed. Ow! <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> get out! Um, my dog just attacked me. Mm. Uh, Spencer, she get a dog. That's the other piece of advice. Yeah. Mm. She'd probably be so much. Her blood pressure would finally go down. Her heart rate would go down. She could
2: name the dog Toby. Mm. She
1: could name the dog Toby and she'd have the same relationship. <laughs> I didn't say that last time.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I remember in in uh, was it the season five premiere when they're like just sleeping on the stage at night and Spencer's kind of wondering, like, you know, like, who who am I as a person kind of, you know, after all this yeah. craziness is over.
1: That scene, that scene really blew us away. It was crazy. And we were shooting that and it was it was very fun because we actually got to shoot on location which we never get to shoot. We shot that on location at the Orpheum Theater in downtown LA, which is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited because I was like on a stage. So I was just like wagging my tail. <laughs> um, and we were there and it was, it was a beautiful scene. I forget where it was. Aria in that was Lucy there? It was just,
3: yeah. She's at
1: the, the hospital. hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yes, I remember that. So, so it was just Shay and Ashley and I. and it was one of those really weird moments. Like I almost actually get like emotional talking about it where we were talking and um, we were 100% all three of us, those, those girls. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was about those lines, but we allowed ourselves to truly, there was no joking around. There was just 100% pure empathy for these characters that we've been playing for so many years and have had seen so go through so much heartbreak and, And we just got to see them like get so wistful about the lives that they could be leading and then immediately so sad that they weren't. So it's weird. It's so, it's so strange how much emotion is actually in that for me. So Mm -hmm. I don't know where the girls are going, but I know that we will be truly happy to see them get there if they don't die first.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right. Well, I think we've exhausted all the questions. (laughs)
1: Well, Welcome to two-hour-long podcast.
2: If they don't die first, is a good place to uh, <laughs> to
0: take. If a they break.
1: don't die first, is everybody just has a meltdown listening to this show? Just like what?
2: Well, I mean, maybe, but I tell you, life goals like getting Troy and Bill. Sorry to say, Dark Spencer saga is is pretty high on my <laughs> list.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I was very happy to say it and very happy to talk about it. And I have always said, like, I have I have always told everybody on the show, I'm like, you guys, the number one thing we could do to really sell to everybody that we are not messing around on the show anymore is, like, kill off one of the girls. And everybody's just like, you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like, how many flashbacks do we have? But I'm just mm-hmm. saying, at this point, you're getting a little, like, lackadaisical, eh? Mm-hmm. Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so... um. So I don't know. I always try to tell our fans like nobody's safe, but I think they're always just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, Mm whatever, whatever. Troy and ruin our fun Belisario. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be my new Troy and spoiler alert. (laughs) Belisario.
0: (laughs) awesome all right well yeah. we really want to thank you for joining us this has been highly enlightening <laughs> very very fun thank it's you so much very
1: fun and thank you guys so much for these wonderful questions it's been a blast answering them i i'm so happy that we did this and i thank you
0: thank you as well
1: bye guys come bye back
2: bye. to the sometime soon okay right, thanks bye